Hello, and welcome to Rhythms of Grace. I am Christine, and I'm here with Nate and Sung for our next episode as we are talking about transition in a series. Shift that, happens. Yes. <laughs> Shift happens. And if you hear Rhythms of Grace enough, soon when you see people, you're going to say, hello, just like Christine does. Just like me. It's very catchy. <laughs> So today, uh, we're going to talk about the different stages of um, uh, of transition. So uh, just to help me, just to help yep. me understand, because we, we talked about th- like three parts of transition, mm-hmm. and, you know, endings, liminal beginnings. Mm-hmm. Where does the, where do these stages fall? I think this is, so that, that was a three stage, or three, uh, like a, with those three things being kind of the the framework, this kind of goes uh, a little deeper into each one. I see. Mm. Okay. Okay. So, um, so similar to stages of grief, where you have and pe- people move fast or slow at different paces, mm-hmm. and it's not like you go always in sequential order. Sometimes you're at one place and you jump ahead, and then you're kind of back again, um, and so. Uh, this when when we talk about st- stages of transition, it, it is recognizing endings, neutral zone, and new beginnings, but also kind of embedding and deep diving a little deeper into each one. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. I think I'm getting a framework for it. And, and some of it is actually not necessarily within one stage, but it's something that a practice. Let's uh, that maybe that's a better way. These are practices. Okay, uh, f- uh, within each of these. Uh, transitions, uh, each of these stages. I see. Uh, like, for example, discernment. That's something you need to do at during endings. Mm. That is something mm-hmm. you definitely have to do during the neutral zone. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even in, in new beginnings, yep. you need to discern. Yeah. You may be discerning different things, right? You might be discerning choices and options in, in one stage, but you you have to be discerning priorities in another stage. Yeah. So um, so there there is a sense of, and again, it's it's not like there's these, you know, seven steps or anything as much as just a broad general, uh, uh, excavating of what, what does it look like? And, and maybe it's not even trying to go deeper into each of these three stages. We talked about endings, neutral zone and new beginnings, but maybe it is, maybe let's get practical about what, what is, what is discernment and decision-making look like, Mm. uh, before you make a decision, as you're making a decision, even after a decision is made. Yeah. Mm. Or, and, and I think this is an interesting nuance, like there is discernment even when a transition is thrust upon you. And we've talked yeah. about that. Like some, you can tend to think of discernment as happening like when you're sort of the one driving the, the transition or driving the change. But even if you don't really have a choice, discernment is still a really critical part mm-hmm. of, of navigating yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. So let me read a quote from A.W. Tozer. He says, most of us go through life praying a little, planning a little, jockeying for position, hoping but never being quite certain of anything and always secretly afraid that we will miss the way. Mm. And so when you think of change and transitions or even decisions you need to make in life, I think in general it's all the maybes and might haves that really keep us awake at night. Yeah. Like, because we don't know. No, no. And I, and I think that there, that a lot of that or some of that can sort of be driven by the belief that there is a right or a single way that is best, um, or 
from a spiritual perspective, like God, I mean, God has a perfect plan for your life. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh crap. Like yeah. I need to find <laughs> this perfect plan. And if I don't like what, and what does that mean? Yeah. You know, am I really hearing God? Am I really following God? If I, and then when something goes wrong and this is always the big one, or did you miss God's plan? Mm-hmm. Did you hear God wrong? You know, like it gets very complicated. So just, I'm assuming song that discernment is like the first sort of practice yeah. And how many are there? I don't know. I'm making this up. Oh, you are. Oh, excellent. Okay, awesome. Great. <laughs> we are just, we are f- swinging without a yeah. net, folks. <laughs> no, but discernment, if you think about it, that's not, yeah, that is something needed throughout the entire process. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say you, we are constantly in need of paying attention, mm-hmm. of learning and growing and listening. And I think part of it is just really examining like, uh, like you were talking about, Nate, like sometimes it's, we are addicted to clarity and security. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we have a hard time living in this tension of uncertainty and ambiguity. Um, and other times we want approval from other people. So we want to make sure, does everybody approve my decision? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the part of that discernment is uh, sometimes unknowingly that is what, dri- what is driving our decisions mm-hmm. more so than mm-hmm. the desire to please God. Mm. Yeah. Um, or some people just have an aversion to making decisions at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, you know, maybe today we could talk about like, how do you even start to make decisions about transitions, mm-hmm. especially if there are choices and changes that you you're making. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're considering a, a different jobs. You're considering, um, different options for buying a house. Mm-hmm. Like how do you make some of those decisions? Yeah, e- even relationships. Mm-hmm. Should I date this person? Should I not? Who should I? Yeah. 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 I feel like, you know, in, in past episodes, we've talked a lot about like acknowledging what is, and I do feel like that is an important first step in discernment, right? Is like, okay, what am I walking into this? Like, who am I trying to please mm. um, myself or my friends or my family or God? Um, and, and just being aware of, of like you said, like what, what is driving you um, and, and what are the um, maybe unhealthy things that are driving mm. you so that as you're making a decision, you at least know what to keep in check in your own mind. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, my wife has been a part of sort of like a group discernment, process for people um, that were trying to decide between actually a couple different career options um, or in places where they would live. And one of the benefit of having other people in the mix is that sometimes other people can see what is clearer than you can. Mm -hmm. And that is in one particular instance, that's what she found to be true, where she said everyone sort of sitting around this couple as they were talking understood what was going on but clearly the couple didn't mm-hmm. and i forget how the dynamics work like you know i think you're only supposed to ask questions so you, so nobody could just say like hey does anybody blah 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 do you see that this is what's happening but she said from the outside we could see the dynamic mm-hmm. that they were unaware of and it was really a barrier to them sort of moving through the decision making process because they couldn't see what was yeah. yet um and once they did then suddenly everything sort of starts to become a lot clearer mm-hmm. yeah and that's you know it, it, with working with a lot of young professionals talking mm-hmm. to a lot of like um young singles who are dating that's been one thing that has become more and more clear is in that in that discernment process in dating relationships the importance of community um in in seeing 
um, weak spots in the relationship where like the devil can get a foothold um, in, in all sorts of areas. Right. Um, But then also seeing clearly like, Oh, these are your blind spots. Uh, You are, you know, cause when you're in love, no clue, you have no clue. (laughs) Sure. Um, And so, yeah, bringing in community into the discernment process, no matter what, Mm-hmm. what that discernment process is, is yep. over is huge. And I would say with a lot of things in decision-making, the decision itself is rarely the point. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I mean, that might sound scary for people to hear because what do you mean it's not the point? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, and the point is you becoming more fully yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The way God intended you. Mm-hmm. That that is actually the point. And, it is. And it, it is the the decision making process is the means through which he is making you that person. Yeah. But if we if you become so obsessed about the decision itself, thinking that that is the point, you actually short short circuit the very thing that God's trying to do in your life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Since I have made that shift um, from what should I do to who should I be, discernment has actually become very very easy for mm-hmm. me in general because I live with broad boundaries in terms of what is the right choice. Mm -hmm. The boundaries are really broad. Um, Where it gets very narrow is who is God calling me to be? Mm -hmm. And that really like sort of through that narrow door, suddenly everything becomes very, very clear that this would make me more of this person. This would make me more like Mm -hmm. this. Uh, This is more of who I want to be. Those, Mm -hmm. those things really, um, it's sort of like floating downstream. You just, mm-hmm. They just start to happen uh, in the decision-making process. Yeah. And even the decision-making process can be part of shaping that, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Of are, are you going to be the sort of person who, who goes to God first or the sort of person who makes a decision on the fly? Are you, you, know, you going to be the t- sort of person who uh, trusts their own judgment over you know, wiser people? Mm-hmm. Or you know, are you going to, yeah. Are, are you going to be the sort of person who chooses this way or that way? Yeah. I think that's an important question because oftentimes what I see is, and this is a Western culture thing, we, we get so conditioned into thinking that if we can explain it and understand it, then we can control it. Mm-hmm. And so then that's true of our decisions. Well, uh, I'm making this decision because it makes sense this way and it could explain this is the direction of my life. And that's often the reasons I hear when people make a decision and it can feel like it's almost like they're justifying a decision that they want to make versus saying, well, we're making this decision. And what I don't hear as much is the the question that you were asking Nate about, like, we believe this will help us become the kinds of people or the parents or the friends or whatever it is that God wants us to be. Um, and it's usually, well, you know, um, and, and again, like there's, there's a sense of, um, uh, if I can explain it, if I can understand why I'm making this decision, then, uh, then like, oh, I, I have control over it. Yeah. I wonder how much of that is sort of, a, a result of the plethora of options that are now available to us. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't always the case. It was like, if your father was a tailor, you were going to become a tailor, yeah. you know, like it seems like, and I, this is probably like rose colored glasses looking back at history, but you just, the best decision was 
it's just you didn't have as many options. Mm-hmm. It, was kind of, it's, it feels like to me, at least, it would have been easier to to realize that it was about who you needed mm-hmm. to be, not what you needed to do. That probably, look, people have always been people. Mm-hmm. But I do think that with so many options, it's easy to get distracted and say, so if with all of these options, there must be a perfect one. And that's just, it's not the case. It's a, it's sort of a false, um, it's like a, a false choice. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I hear people processing life that way all the time yeah which job is best you know mm-hmm. whatever and even thinking about that as we're we're looking back on scripture right is it wasn't written to 21st century america necessarily that where like okay you know god has a perfect plan for your life and that means this and this and this it's like looking at at people who didn't have an option um and who they were being assured what is happening is God's perfect plan mm. for your life. Mm. Um, not like, you, yeah. Not that you it, need to choose and find it necessarily. Yeah, yeah. It's like not a it's, treasure map. Yeah, we, we look at it almost from the outside in, mm, right? Interesting. Those passages of scripture. Yeah, mm-hmm. I like that. I like that perspective a lot. I do. Yeah, and so we often make the, we often think the thing, uh, what we think is the thing is actually not, yeah. Thing at all. Well, I mean, even think about all the options that are available to you now if you decide that you're going to like venture into the world of online dating. Mm-hmm. It's like there are thousands of profiles that you can literally just like swipe, mm-hmm. right? And so there has to, the perfect person has to be out there. You have thousands <laughs> of choices. Yeah. But that's not true either. Yeah. You know, again, it's like this false sort of perspective that we've been given. Yeah. Um, that the thing is the thing right. and the thing is not the thing. Right, mm-hmm. right. I was just talking to a young couple this past week and uh, I'm having them read uh, The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller. And I, I've talked about this in sermons and stuff, but the, again, they read through it and the guy was saying, uh, sharing, and he was just saying, yeah, you know, this whole concept that you never marry the right person. Yeah. Like, uh, and he's like, I've heard that. And again, but just processing it in real time was really helpful for him. And for him, it was just like, yeah. And and so it kind of blew his mind like, oh, so this person isn't necessarily the person. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah. 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 The other thing, and my wife and I are actually reading that. I was actually reading it today. Um, One of the things that Tim Keller says that I also find to be helpful is kind of like, you will be married to a very different person at many points. You know, that person will change so dramatically that it won't, when you say they're not the person I married, he's like, well, that's the way it works. Like (laughs) you don't, you don't want someone to stay like a 20 year old for their entire (laughs) life. That just isn't how it works. You know, so uh, uh, that is, it's, it is really helpful. It is because the question that I don't know that he was wrestling with, but was certainly more evident because he has a hard time trying to be certain about his decisions was like, how do I know she's the one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and again, so you mean like there could be any number of people I could be compatible with, right? And so it can be a bit scary, Mm -hmm. but then it also knocks that idol of certainty out Mm -hmm. and just saying, yeah, like that's where you have to trust God that in his sovereignty he's brought you to and um, through the choices and decisions you're making, this is a covenant that, you you know, Mm -hmm. when you get married, you are entering into. And um, so... Uh, I think just recognizing in in the discernment 
process that what we often think is the thing mm-hmm. is not in God's eyes, the thing. Yeah. And, and even when we're talking about who they are and, and their, uh, the flaws and the baggage and lo- uh, that they bring in, we're just talking about some of the nuances of, um, well, yeah, you know, you might tend to be more like this. And so you have to watch this and marriage is going to be the vehicle through which mm-hmm. God is going to shape that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and she's going to be more like this. And so you're going to have to watch out for that. And you know what? God does that in the context of marriage. Yeah, I mean, marriage is a perfect example of what we were talking about, where it's like um, discerning who you, who God is calling you to be mm-hmm. is way more important mm-hmm. than the person that sort of like you're, man, I this sounds crazy to say this, <laughs> <laughs> than, than, than necessarily the, the person. Mm-hmm. Because who that person is will change mm-hmm. many times over the course of your relationship. And it doesn't mean that you picked wrong. It mm-hmm. just means that God is inviting you to, to sort of encounter him in a new way and become a new person mm-hmm. in the same way that the person you're married to is. Yeah. Which I think is not to say that there aren't wrong people or wrong places. <laughs> that or is wrong a, a helpful clarification. <laughs> I appreciate that. But that there isn't a right one, right? And I think that's where the stressor yeah. is because right. it's easy to identify wrong choices and wrong next steps and wrong change. Um, but when you're like, there are like 17 perfectly good options about where I could go from here, that's where like our process of discernment needs to change. Mm. So how do we then, let's say, let's, I don't want to, let's, let's take this relationships off the table. That one feels too high pressure (laughs) for me, but let's, what if you have like five or six, let's say career options Mm -hmm. or someone who is looking to do, you know, their residency, um, like what, how, how are we to discern how do we do that? How do we do that? Well, mm. we talked about Christina. I thought it was a really good point. Like acknowledging what is mm-hmm. we talked about sort of like, who are we supposed to be? But then these options are still out there. So what do you yeah. do? Sung help us, man. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to gather my thoughts here. Um, one, and this is going to sound like such a churchy answer, but it's so true. I think, uh, you have to create space in your life. Hmm. Mm. Slow down enough. Mm. because oftentimes people who are thrust in this mode of decision-making, their lives are so crazy and hectic and busy that even if God were to say anything to them, their, their life is so noisy mm. that um, really they'd be, uh, it's almost like, God, tell me what you want me to do. And, mm. and there's just so much noise that even if he were to say, uh, they're not, they are unable to listen. That's I love that. Basically, if a decision is worth making, it's worth it's worth going slow. It's yeah. worth taking time to yeah. make it. And if you think about it, I mean, the world is run out run by people who are worn out and tired mm. and exhausted. And how do you make a good decision? You know, like um, as a parent, for example, you you don't want to make a decision when you're tired and exhausted. Yeah. Right. And so, how do you? <laughs> Nate's just laughing. I used to tell my kids when I was really tired, I was like, "Just be aware, anything you ask me, the answer is going to be no." Yeah. <laughs> like I'm too tired to say yes. Yeah. I'm just going to say no. Right. Which is funny because Amy's the opposite. When she gets tired, she just says yes. Can I have ice cream? <laughs> yes. Like I remember that, and I would tell the kids straight up, like, "I don't know what you're going to ask me, but." Be careful because I'm going to say no. Yeah. They've always say, never mind. We'll ask mom. <laughs> yeah. So if you think about it, if you've, uh, if, if you're too tired and exhausted from just life or career or yeah. anything else you're doing, like where's there space in your soul mm. to discern, yeah. to listen, 
like I would even say to listen to to the desires of your heart, mm-hmm. not just your wants, yeah, not just the lust of your eyes, but the desires of your heart. In the sense of, like Jesus says to the man, uh, "What do you want?" Mm-hmm. Right, and um, a lot of times I think, and, and I'm learning this more and more. I, I had this conversation with my wife because she's one that isn't uh, always going to articulate what she wants. Mm. She's very selfless in that way of just like, you know, serving others. And, and I jokingly said, I, I, it's, it's also, I said, Amy, that's so hard for me to understand because I live just by exerting what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But for some people, it's just like, you know, um, what is it that your heart truly desires when you're, when you're, when you're taking off like status or money or everything else off the table, because again, that that is the driver yeah. in the Western world, and, yep. and again, not saying that that's bad, but just let's recognize that. Mm-hmm. If you can't name that, um, and often, and again, I, I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, but it's like, oh, here are my two options. This is re- paying this, so really, I, I think that's God's will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I get that, I I get it, but like, is that really what you want? Right. And again, that's one of the powers of acknowledging what is, which is if you're going to say that and you're going to say, again, apart from saying this is God's will, if you say, look, I want the job that pays the most. Great. Call, name that and do it. And then if it turns out that it's not what you want, like be like, make that a part of your decision, discernment process for stage two or Mm -hmm. stage three or whatever. Yeah, again, just acknowledging that like new beginnings don't have to be the end of the road. Yeah. It can be um, you know, just that thing that pushes you to learn what you really want and to reveal the next new beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So go slow. I like that one song. Mm-hmm. I think I think maybe this is related to that, but not only slowing down, but like I would say in the process of slowing down, like you declutter like mm-hmm. your soul, right? Because <clears throat> Like you, there, there are just so many things that kind of, uh, grab your heart. Yeah. Um, and and if you don't slow down and if you don't articulate what, what it is you really want, and unless like when I think of decluttering, I think of just like spring cleaning your house, Mm -hmm. right? You need to spring clean and just get rid of things. And there's a process and discernment where you kind of need to empty yourself. Um, and and we've talked about this, but the Jesuit prayer of indifference, right? Like what, you know, you want God to come before you surrendering my desires, not in the sense of like you're extinguishing yourself, but really, you're coming in with a, an open hand mm-hmm. to what, like whatever God places in your hand that you're open to receiving. Yeah. Um, so, like, de- you know, again, decluttering your soul, which includes silence and solitude, stuff we've talked about in previous seasons. Um, really, so much comes back to uh, living out of a healthy soul. Mm. Um, I think, I, I don't remember which theologian reformer said this but uh it it goes something like love god and do what you want yeah Mm. um and and in love god that means like as you love god truly the desires of your heart Mm -hmm. will change Mm -hmm. and it will it will reflect the will of god and so in that in that in that if you really follow that first part you know, and you're really loving him, which means you are, if you love somebody, you're going to carve out time for that person, mm-hmm. right? You can't love your spouse and be so busy, so exhausted. I mean, you can, but at some point there's going to be a come to Jesus moment. Like, yeah. 
hey, sung, you know, right. <laughs> like you, you're, I, I never see you like, mm-hmm. well, you know, um, so loving God isn't just, it, there's just so much to that. And when you do that, there's so much freedom that's given. But I think that that's a part that we often skip. Loving him means that we're slowing down to create that space. We're decluttering, we're, we're, we're um, in his presence and we are, uh, we're attentive to him, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is really hard. Mm. Yeah. And then, you know, do what you want. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, again, I, I just think it's so simple, but so profound mm-hmm. because it does require knowing what you want. And mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I feel like I've often heard people say when there's like a decision on the table, well, I could never do that or mm-hmm. I could never do that. And the, the truth is that you could, there's always a cost. Mm-hmm. You could quit your job. There's a cost to that. You know, you could pursue a relationship outside of your marriage. There's a cost to that. I'm not saying these things are right or wrong, but all of those options are on the table. Mm -hmm. You just have to acknowledge what the cost is going to be and then sort of like do what you want. You know, not, not in a way that I'm, it's, I'm sounding flippant about it and that's not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. I'm simply saying, acknowledge your desires, count the cost and, and then, and then proceed. Mm And I think, you know, as you mentioned, like that phrase, I could never do that. You know, one of the things that came to mind for me is taking off your goggles in like, I'm always wearing my rose colored glasses. Mm. And for a lot of people, they're uh, in the opposite situation where they're wearing like their dark sunglasses and everything looks scary. Um, And for me, part of the discernment process is being intentional about like, okay, I'm going to look at these options and I'm going to look for what could go wrong Mm. because Mm. I'm never going to do that on my own unless I force myself to look and be like, what is going to be, what are the drawbacks? Cause I'm only going to see the positives. And and I would imagine for you, Nate, it would be like maybe the opposite, right? Oh, totally. I I will often imagine like if I could snap my fingers and have things be exactly how I wanted them to be. What would that look like? Mm-hmm. Because otherwise I'm not often thinking about how do I want this to shake out or yeah. what, what do I really want to happen? It's more like, it's more sort of utilitarian sort of, you know, nose to the grindstone. Yeah. So I do, I ask myself that just by the way, as a sidebar, the sun is like streaming through it's the windows so right hot. now. And I can literally <laughs> feel the heat off my microphone, like on my lips. Yeah. We are suffering to bring you <laughs> rhythms of grace. Well, I will say the sunlight is, Blinding Nate. Uh, Christine has a black uh, <laughs> black dress on. Black dress on, and I'm sitting in Sung the shade. In yeah. the shade, oh, living the good life over there. <laughs> uh, and I would say, for most people, even when you think about um, discerning, I think what has a sh- a shaping effect that again we we name often, but again, I think it just needs to be recognized again and again because it's so native to so many of us. But uh, social media mm-hmm. not only interrupts us, uh, taps us on the shoulder, but it, 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 it's not it, it's not either the rose colored or, or the dark shades. It is the lens of comparison. Mm-hmm. Well, if this person yeah. is doing that mm-hmm. and, and lives there, Right. Just just to recognize that 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 can be a trap. Yeah. And that that you may think, oh, I want this because these other people have that. But again, that's not really tapping into the deep well of what is it that you want? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would say part of the discernment process. Yeah. I mean, what that looks like is really uh, uh, up to each person here that's listening 
but I think it, it is uh, some of the broad strokes of what we've talked about in terms of just creating that space and um, loving God and really um, doing that in community with other people. And I do think the the things that you talked about in terms of how we engage with discernment works both for proactive decision-making, but also in the midst of change that's been that, that forced upon mm-hmm. us, yeah. you know, all of those things, creating space, mm-hmm. simplifying, like loving God and, and, and sort of plumbing the depths of your heart to find out what it is that you really want. Mm-hmm. All of those things are the, are how you walk through pain, difficulty, um, when change is thrust upon you. Yeah, that's so true. Even thinking, and this is an extreme example, but like Holocaust writing, right? Of people who were in uh, the the camps and and they were suffering. They were asking that question of, who is God calling me to be in this place and space? Mm-hmm. And and yeah, who do I want to be here and now? Um, acknowledging what is and and making space to to hear God in the midst of the suffering. Um, and it's like, man, if, if they can do it there, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, when, whatever changes are thrust upon us, that can be part of our process. Yeah. I wonder what loving God and doing what you want looks like in a concentration camp mm-hmm. when you don't really have the option to maybe do mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. I think it goes, it goes back to what Christine was saying in the beginning about naming your reality. Mm. Um, Right. I think when I think of that situation, um, well, maybe not that I, I don't, I can't even imagine that situation, mm-hmm. but I, I think, um, have you ever had those moments where you have sensed something and then either a song you hear or a phrase that somebody says all of a sudden they have said what, like they, they articulated like the, the scenery or the, the reality that you are in, mm-hmm. um, and I think sometimes, um, uh, yeah, part of that discernment is, is coming to that point of uh, recognizing and naming, naming that reality. Like uh, m- maybe there's hurt that you haven't let go of or, or there's, uh, you know, something that you haven't given your, yourself permission to pursue, wh- whatever it is. So I, I think part of it is also and maybe I'm just stuck on this idea because I've been having conversations about this with several people this past week, but um, uh, just uh, the, uh, the unex- uh, un- unexcavated, un- unexpressed um, narrative. Um, I don't know if I'm even articulating this right, but um, uh, I-, I think just even coming to ad- admit, you know, well, I'm disappointed in my marriage mm-hmm. or just things like that. It takes a lot of courage to even just name that. Mm-hmm. Even, even if you're going to, and unless you do that, you're, you're not able to move on in discernment because you're stuck in that moment. Mm-hmm. I think, uh, naming what you want, let's, let's, let's pull back from love God and do what you want. In some cases, loving God and naming what you want can in and of itself be a really sort of revelatory mm. experience yeah. as you're discerning may realize I didn't know that I wanted that. Or if I say, if I, if I'm going to admit that I want that, that means that there is soul work to do. Mm-hmm. I know that that is not what I should want right now. Why do I want that? How do I begin to, to move back from that into a place where I sort of, am? 
back within the broad boundaries of, you know, God's love and righteousness. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that even in hard times, even when perhaps what you most want isn't available to you, mm-hmm. naming it is still really powerful. Yeah. It is yeah. really powerful. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know where we got the idea that like denying those feelings was somehow Mm -hmm. righteous. But I know that I certainly feel that way. I'm like, the less I can admit, the more righteous, (laughs) the more (laughs) righteous I am. But as, but as I've grown, I've realized, man, it sure is helpful. Oh man. It's like, that's the whole point of confession, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Yeah. Yeah. I have one of the conversations I was having with, with somebody in the denomination and she she was just saying this past week, like I I don't think my current role is where I want to be in, and um, she fills out a monthly coaching sheet, and in that she just expressed so many things, and and there was a sense of like, I feel selfish naming mm. all this. Uh, that's another narrative I hear, like yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and again, and I think maybe that's with certain personalities or wirings, but I just had to reiterate to her, like, no, this is not selfish. And I just, we just dreamt a little, like, what would it look like, like in your ideal role where it would bring joy, where you're not filled with dread of looking into emails or, or things like that. And so I think there is a sense of like, if I name what I want, that that's really being selfish. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and I know my wife would resonate with that as well too. Yeah. You know? Um. And I think, you know, for me, like, so I'm definitely that way. Um, because that's just how I'm wired. And I I think it's been really helpful, um, to like, again, start, start with in prayer, naming what I want to God and with an open hand, Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. God, I'm not asking for this because that feels too bold, but here's what I want in my heart. And even just writing it down, then I'm able to evaluate like, Oh, that's, that was given to me by God or, oh, you know, this is actually not what you call me to pursue. But like, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, I, I have to practice saying it to God because otherwise you just, you just hold it inside mm. and you don't let yourself realize like, oh, this is what's driving me right now. Yeah. Not my longings, not my callings, but this, this desire that I'm not willing to acknowledge. Yeah. So is there a sense of shame in, in not artic- like articulating that or... Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it definitely a sense of like, oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be asking for anything for, for, for myself or, or I know that I, I want this and I don't deserve it. Um, or I, I want this, but I know that God doesn't, or, or like, like this lack of faith that God wants what's best for mm. me, right? Mm. Is also maybe part of it that I've, that I've talked to through with friends, um, of like, oh, a lot of times, yeah, so much poor decision making or, or lack of discernment comes from a lack of faith that God wants what's best for us. And so I'm not going to tell him what I want because he's not going to give it to me. Mm. Um, I, I had a good friend of mine who told me that w- part of his discernment process was when he was praying about something, if he didn't want to do it, he felt like that was probably God telling him he should. And I was like, oh man, that sounds like a really yeah. miserable way to live. But <laughs> even even if you're not aware enough to state it as explicitly as he does. I know that I have lived under that burden. You know, I've certainly lived under that, which is like God calls us to do the things we least want to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which uh, man would be a great thing. And I'd love to in the next episode, because I think that goes into part of our 
dysfunction and discernment mm. mm-hmm. is our picture of God. We have this distorted uh, view of who he is, uh, like that example that you've given. Uh, but that's a huge part, I think, of discernment. You know, if, he's, if he is a good father who wants to give his children um, not a snake or serpent, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Like that, that changes. And, and, and I wonder, especially those of, of us who grew up religious or in church settings, where uh, w- did, did we grow up with this deformed view of, of God? And I, that's a whole nother topic that we could talk about. Uh, but we've, um, that, that, is, that is a huge part, I think, yeah. of discernment. Yeah. So do you think we need a discernment part two? Uh, I, I, yeah, we might need part three, four, five <laughs> here. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, then, I mean, it's been, yeah, it's been about 30, 35 minutes. Why don't we, uh, let's wrap this episode up, but you're going to have to wait till next week to hear about um, discernment part two. And next week we will be uh, having that air conditioning on. It. I am roasting. <laughs> <laughs> I think I see your forehead turning red. Yeah, get a little <laughs> bit of a speak. <laughs> I'm discerning that we should end this episode so that I can get into the shade. Thanks so much for being with us. We hope you check us out next week.